You may have a seat. Hey, good morning. Welcome to Tri-Cities Church. I'm Wesley. I'm one of the pastors here. Hey, if this is your first time here with us, we welcome you here. And again, like uh, Karen said, she was welcoming everyone uh, during worship. Hey, we love to be in prayer for you uh, uh, in this new year, right? This is the last Sunday of the year, right? Are y'all ready for 2015? <laughs> that was awful. <laughs> I'm just letting you know how that sounded up here. It was like, are you ready for today? <laughs> All right. Since you did it, let's try it again. Are you ready for 2015? Yeah. All right. 2015 is going to be a good year. I believe it. I believe some things are going to, uh, some change, change in our lives. Some things are going to become clearer for us. Some direction may become clearer um, because we're going into 2015 with the Lord, right? And we believe that if the Lord is on our side, right, the Lord that is with us and for us is greater than the world that could ever be against us. And so we celebrate this uh, as we come up upon this new year. We celebrate that and we're believing God uh, for his grace, for his mercy, for his favor, for him being with us in the road ahead. All right. Um, so, hey, I said that to say there's these cards in your seat. If there's anything you want us to be praying for um, uh, with you about in this new year, please write on the, those cards and we'll be sure to uh, spend some time in prayer this week. I'm believing God with you uh, for, for whatever you're believing God for. Hey, I, I just um, I just want to do something real, real quick. We um, I, I was actually on on Facebook this morning. And I noticed uh, Dan Sims, principal of Tri-Cities High School, was just kind of uh, grieving because a, a student of his was, was shot right up here on Washington Road um, just last night, um, was robbed at the, the bus stop right by the Dollar General. And I know that school has just been through just different challenges, at least over the last two years that I know um, several students have, have, um, have died. And, and uh, one, actually, at the corner of my street was hit by a car. And, and I just know that's never an easy thing um, for a school to go through. Um, and, and I know, and this guy, he's alive. They said he's, he's unstable. He just shot him in the back um, to take whatever he had as he was standing at the bus stop. Um, and so we celebrate um, the fact that he is alive. But I want to spend a, just a moment in praying for uh, Dan Sims, the principal of Tri-Cities High School, uh, for this young man. I don't know his name. Um, and just for the students in, in general. And so um, please, if, 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 you're, uh, if you're a praying person, and I hope you are, uh, put that on your, your prayer list and, and spend some time praying for, um, for Tri-Cities High School this week. So let's pray. God, we give you thanks this morning that, um, that you're with us. And God, I pray that this young man that's been um, shot, that he will fill you with him. And that this test that he's going through will become part of his testimony that he'll be able to say that I was shot and I shouldn't have made it, but the Lord who was on my side gave me the strength and I'm going to draw closer to him and I'm going to hold on to him and I'm going to believe in the Lord for my salvation and the Lord for my healing and the Lord for my recovery and for my help. And God, we also pray for Dan Sims, the principal of Tri-Cities High School, as he faces different challenges every day. And this is never one of the easy ones when you fall, uh, find yourself uh, caring for these students and loving these students and wanting the best for them and working for their future, God. And it's never easy to see something like this happen. So, God, I pray that you continue to strengthen him, give him leadership ability, help him not just to be um, a principal leader, but also uh, 
a pastor and caregiver to these students and help him to guide them in a way um, that, that, is, that is beneficial for them. And so, God, I just pray for that as well. God, and I pray for peace in that school. I pray for all the students, God, as they're on break, but also preparing to come back and, and be there, God. And I just pray for peace in that school, peace for those students. God, I pray that your protection will be around them, that you will strengthen them, that they will be Uh, a witness to others, God. And I pray for those who are believers there in that school, God, that they'll let their light so shine that others might see your good light shining through them and they'll praise our Father who is in heaven. It's in your Son, Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, this this morning we are... um, we are uh, wrapping up our Ugly Christmas series. And so we've been in this series talking about Ugly Christmas. And we talked about, I remember the first week, and I asked you guys how you were doing with this, the whole forgiveness thing, right? Uh, and uh, forgiving going into Christmas and, and, and forgiving coming out of Christmas, right? Because some of us got to forgive some folk coming out of Christmas, right? Maybe that's not you, but, uh, but it's, it's never easy, right? So um, I, I even thought, I said, we, we, we almost put a confessional booth back there so you could confess some words that you said out loud and under your breath, right? I don't want you to confess them to me, though. Confess them to the Lord and ask him to help you in that area, right? If you said some stuff about somebody this Christmas, right, ask Ask the Lord to help you control your tongue next time around, right? And the book of James, read the book of James. It has a lot to say about the tongue. It says it's like the rudder on a ship, right? It steers your, your life, your body, wherever, it will, wherever you go, right? Our mouth will get us in trouble every single time, right? One of the most powerful things we can do is learn to control it and learn to forgive and let it go, right? Let it go. Walk away and let it go. So hopefully you did that uh, this this Christmas. So we're continuing um, this series and just kind of wrapping it up, and we're looking um, ultimately at the purpose for Jesus' death. So I, I have a question for you: Have you ever um, have you ever expected something um, so badly uh, for a long time, and when you got it, you found that it just didn't live up to your expectation? Right. Expectations are a tricky thing like that. Right. Because when you expect something or desire something or hope for something or wish for something or dream for something. Right. A lot of times your expectation builds over time. And then ultimately, whatever it is, whether it's a, a person or a thing. Right. Often, ultimately, it cannot live up to that expectation that it's had this opportunity to grow and build over time. This is how Christmas was for me every year. Right. Uh, so every Christmas we would. Uh, y'all remember when they used to send the Toys R Us catalogs in the mail. I don't know if they still do that. Uh, J.C. Penney's catalogs in the mail. And we get these big catalogs and we go straight to the toy section, right? And we pick out the toys that we wanted for Christmas. And we'd make this long, long, long list. And, and, and somewhere in, in, our, in our crazy minds, we thought that our parents could afford every single thing on the list, right? It's like circle your three favorite. And it's like, nah, I'm not even falling for that one because I'm getting all of these this year. Uh, <laughs> it never happened, right? But we'd make this long list. And my thing was always remote control cars, right? I loved remote control cars as a kid. Every Christmas, I wanted the latest, uh, fastest or so, I thought, uh, best, longest lasting battery life remote control car. Every, every year, that's what I wanted. And every year, here's what I found, right? I would set my sights on a particular car. I would circle it in the magazine. I'd write it on my list. And then if I got it, 
I discovered it wasn't any better than the one I had last year, right? But because my expectation, my hope had been building for so long, I just knew that this thing was going to be able to climb hills faster than the last one, right? And, and I started going to, uh, I found that nothing could satisfy my taste for this fast remote control car. And over in Riverdale, they used to have this indoor um, um, uh, racetrack for remote control cars. And I used to go there and just watch these cars race. These were like gas-powered remote control cars. This was the real deal, right? No kid ever gets this for Christmas. Uh, this was the real deal. Right over in Riverdale, it's not there anymore. And I would watch that and watch that and hope and hope and hope for that. But, but here's the reality, right? We can set our hope and dreams for anything, right? As adults, we still do the same thing. And our expectation builds over time. That could be a job, right? I got to have that job. I got to have that job. I got to have that job. We get it and we find out the guy we're working for is just as bad as the last one, right? Or, or I got a worse, yes. Um, or, or, or a relationship, right? And we, we got to have this. I want to be married. I want to be in a relationship. I, and then we find out that it takes hard work and it's just not easy, right? And our expectation is built to a certain point that we're thinking, if I got it, right, I'm not doing anything to ruin it. And then next thing we know, right, this is work. It's hard. It's just not easy, right? We, we have this sense of expectation, this sense of longing for something. And it's a tricky thing because it builds over time and then it sets us up for disappointment. It sets us up for disappointment. When I read the scriptures, I can't help but to wonder if that's how Jesus was, at least at least how the Jews felt about Jesus. Because for a long time, they had been longing for a savior, right? They even had all these scriptures in Isaiah um, and other places where these guys were writing about what God was going to one day do and who God was going to one day send. And so they had this sense of expectation that they had, they had been just sitting on for generations, right? And so they were sitting on this for generation upon generation. And here it's building in this sense of anticipation and this feeling that God is going to do something is going to absolutely blow our minds. Now, the problem there, and I'm kind of jumping ahead of myself, but the problem there was what they expected God to blow their mind with was still within their mental framework, right? It was still boxed in, in a sense. But listen to one of these scriptures, Isaiah chapter 9, verse, I'm going to start reading in verse 6. Um, Listen to what it says. It says, and this is about Jesus. This was written long before he ever was born. It says, for unto us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. You hear those names, right? Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish all of this. And so the Jews have been sitting on that very scripture for generation upon generation and their hope and anticipation was building. Their expectation was building of what God was going to do through a human being that would be born. For unto us a child is born. And then after Jesus' birth, right? 
And we saw Christmas Eve, the announcements to the shepherds. We saw last Sunday, these uh, magi came from afar. If you read even further in the story, there's a guy in the temple that sees him and praises God, knowing that God is up to something now. And what had been long ago prophesied was now coming to reality. And so people celebrated and they, they rejoiced over the birth of Jesus. But then after all of that, Jesus lived this kind of rather ordinary, everyday life, right? There didn't appear to be anything much special about him. He worked with his father probably as a carpenter, building homes, building boats, building whatever they could find to work on. He spent his time uh, doing that, a rather ordinary life. In fact, in Matthew, I want to share a scripture with you. Listen to this this verse in Matthew chapter 15, um, verse 53. Uh, Listen to what it says, Matthew chapter 13, verse 53. It says, uh, and these are people who are seeing what Jesus is doing, and they know, they know Jesus. They've known him for a while. Listen to what they said. When Jesus had finished these parables, he moved from there, and coming to his hometown, to his hometown, he came back home, his friends and relatives and folks are all around. He, he began teaching the people in the synagogue, and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked? Isn't this the carpenter's son, right? We know his dad, Joseph, right? There's nothing special about this boy. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother Mary, right? We, we know all about Mary, the one that claimed to be pregnant by God. <laughs> that, uh, yeah, we wanted to put her away uh, for that. We, isn't this, isn't this um, his mother Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters here with us? Where, did the, where then did this man get these things from, right? Jesus lived this rather ordinary, everyday, plain Jane kind of life, right? And so these people are like, hey, this guy comes teaching with authority and power, and this can't be the one that God is sending, right? This can't be God's chosen, right? We were expecting something different because they had been sitting on expectation for so long. And that expectation had built and their imagination was allowed to run wild with what God might do. And they knew God was up to something, but surely this wasn't the thing that God was up to. You see, they had come to expect that God was going to send a king, right? One to rule. Because here, here's where they were in their lives, right? They believed that uh, they, they had built this, this large temple complex, if you will. Um, they, they were um, regularly and annually sacrificing sheep and goats and lambs um, for their sins, right? It was this idea that, that we can be at peace with God if we only sacrifice these sheep and rams and goats as an offering to God. We are then at peace with God. And so although we've done things wrong this year, right, and although we've sinned and although we haven't lived in a way that pleases God, by putting these rams and sheep and goats on on this altar and sacrificing them to God. Therefore, our sins are pushed back and God is pleased. And so in their mind, at least in their mental framework, the only need they really had was physical need, right? They wanted to be free. And here the Jews were living under the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire wasn't, um, it, it wasn't 
extremely brutal, but it wasn't comfortable either, right? Because they still had to pay taxes, right? They had to pay their own taxes, their local taxes, but then they also had to pay taxes to the Roman Empire, right? They were allowed a little bit of religious freedom, but they still were ultimately under the the emperor of Rome, right? And so they, they ultimately, they hoped for this day, they longed for this day, when they read Isaiah chapter 9, they believed that God was going to send one who was going to establish their nation independently and that they would no longer be under the oppressive force of the Roman Empire. And that's what they were longing for. That's what they were looking for. That's where their expectation was. And so they wanted a king come to come welding his power, his influence, his might, his wealth. And what they got was Jesus, right? This poor little boy from Nazareth whose father was a carpenter. This guy knew how to swing, not a sword, but a hammer, right? He knew how to work with his hands, but he had no palace, right? No sword, no, uh, no real influence, at least at the time. No crown, no money. He had nothing that they would desire in a king. And they found it. They, they found it. They found it foolish to put their hope in him, right? Because they were looking at this guy and saying, this could not be our, our hope because their expectation had grown. You see, expectation is a tricky thing um, because it builds over time. Expectation builds over time. And often, as in this case, we see that it crowded out space in their lives for God. Because not only were they expecting, but they came to expect a very narrow idea of who God was and what God would do. But when we read in the scriptures, we see that it's teaching us very clearly that Jesus didn't come for the reason, the hope that these people thought that he was going to establish his kingdom, that he was going to build it, that he was going to reign as king, that his kingdom on earth would never end, right? That they would have this sense of freedom, this sense of hope, this sense of prosperity here on earth, that they would have these things that they had longed for for generations here on earth, that that wasn't the kind of king that God was sending. Rather, God wasn't sending a a king to meet our need, our wants, but God was sending a king to meet our needs. He was sending a king to meet what our true need was. And that need isn't physical. It was a spiritual need. It was a spiritual need. You see, the scriptures teach us this, that all of creation, all human beings are are caught in this cycle of of sin. And this cycle of sin kind of, it's... it's, um, it's unavoidable. We're affected by it. We're caught up in it. Um, in, in James chapter 4, it says, in James chapter 4, verse 17, it says this. It says, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's sin for them. And so basically the scriptures are telling us that all humans have some sense of right or wrong, good or evil. And as we become followers of Jesus, we become a lot, it becomes a lot clearer to us what is right, wrong, good and evil. And we become aware of the good that we should do. But then there's times in our life that we choose not to do that. There's times in our life that we either consciously or subconsciously make a decision not to do that. And I think we just have to own up to that and say, yes, that is true. Right. I own up to that. Yes, that is true for me. 
right? And hopefully we all own up to that and say, yes, that is true for us. And so the scriptures are teaching us that all of creation is caught up in this cycle of sin. And ultimately we need salvation from that. Right? Ultimately, we need God to send one not to free us so that we can live free in this empire or this nation that's now uh, having authority and has no enemies and, and is ultimately at, um, at physical peace because we've conquered our enemies and, and defeated them all with a sword. But the Bible is teaching us we don't need the sword. We need salvation. Right? And that salvation is truly the ultimate need of all human beings because we're caught up in this life of sin that's destructive, that breaks relationships, that causes us to have the need to forgive, that causes us to live at tension with one another. And sometimes that tension becomes extremely clear during Christmas season. It's kind of sad, but it's true. It causes us to live in tension with one another. Ultimately, that our world has been wrecked the good image that God created us to portray has been distorted and all that's been, that has been done by our actions, what the Bible calls sin, the good that we should do but are not doing, that is sin for us. And so we need salvation for that, and that's what Jesus was about. You see, the scriptures teach us that Jesus was born to die, that he was born to die. And see, the hope that people had was that this baby that was born in the manger was going to be king, right? They had this hope that God was going to send this king and ultimately he would live a long life and he would establish his kingdom and then there would become a predecessor after him and he would rule with the same kind of strength and the same kind of might and ultimately there would be a kingdom that would last forever. But the scriptures teach us that Jesus was born to die. Now I know it's true. We all do die. We all face death. We're born with a beginning and an ending. But our purpose isn't to die in the same way that Jesus' purpose was to die for the sins of the world. You see, the scriptures are saying that this was Jesus' very purpose. It wasn't to rule in the traditional sense, but it was to die and to conquer the greatest enemy ever, which is death. Look with me in Philippians chapter two this is one of my favorite scriptures. Philippians chapter two, listen to what it says. I'm going to start reading in, in verse, uh, verse five. And it says this, um, it says in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who being in the very nature, God did not consider equality with God, something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. Right. He was born. Right. So this was. Um, so let me just let me pause right there. So so God, um, Jesus was um, was a preexistent. Right. That means that he didn't come into existence when he was born in the manger, but he existed before he was actually born, but made a decision to be born. It's actually God in the flesh made this decision to be be born through Mary for a purpose, and that purpose was so that he might die. And so when we see and when we talk about Jesus in the scriptures, we have both God and man existing in one, right? He was fully human in the sense that, that he felt pain. 
He was fully human in the sense that he, he, he had a sense of relationship and connectedness with humans. He was fully uh, human in the sense that he felt emotions and actually shed real tears, right? But he was fully God in the sense that he was the preexistent God of all creation that ultimately was operating according to the plan, a plan to save human beings. And so listen to what it says. It says, uh, he being... He made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now, right there, all of us could can can, in a sense, do that, except for we weren't preexistent. Right. We all came into existence. Uh, well, you all know how that happens. Parents, you know, um, so we all came into existence. I'm not going to explain that part. Uh, so we all, we all had a time in our life when we actually came into existence. Um, and, and, but we all live these lives where ultimately we become obedient to death, right? Death has its way with us. There's no avoiding that. There's no way around that. That's just part of life. I, I love the scriptures that say about followers of Christ, though, that we don't grieve as others do because we have a different kind of hope. Um, and so death is now not longer a, an ending or, or a, um, um, but a transitioning, right, um, to, to uh, eternal life with God, to peace, prosperity, happiness, joy forevermore. Um, but it says he became obedient to death and what would appear to be the end of this man. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name that is above every name that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father and so the difference between Jesus and every other man or woman to ever live on this earth is yeah he became obedient to death but then he conquered death itself right and so death is no longer king we've talked about this before when we talk about the kingdom of God Ultimately, it's God's kingdom because before death was king, right? Death reigned. Death was king. Every king, he gave in to death, right? He was obedient to death. Every human that has ever lived has become obedient to death. Death was king. God in himself, in human form, conquered death itself and lived to tell the story. He conquered death itself. And lived to tell the story. He walked among other human beings. And he taught them. And he showed them the way that life was to be lived. He taught them. And he showed them the way that life was to be lived. And gave them a sense of hope. And promise. A promise that will not fail. And that is. Follow in this way of life and you too will conquer death. Believe in me, Jesus, not me. Believe in Jesus and you too and follow in his way of life and you too, though you may become obedient to death, will conquer death. You see, humans are handicapped in in one way uh, extremely, uh, and that is that we have the inability to see the future, right? (laughs) If if only I could see today what my actions 
today what calls tomorrow, right? If only I knew that if I did this, that this would happen. A lot of times I wouldn't do this because I don't want that result, right? A lot of times I feel like I'm doing the right thing and I get a result that I didn't really want, right? If only we had the ability to see the, the end of things, right? The future. But human beings are handicapped in that way. All of us are. We, we don't know the future. We don't know what this action will get us. And the scriptures are teaching us that faith is all about believing that if we follow God's way, that there's a destiny waiting for us. It's all about saying, yeah, you don't know what this action will get you. But, hey, don't go this way, but go this way. Don't follow these teachings that may be popular in society this way that may be taught in society. But follow this way. And it may not make sense to you. And you may not see how you get from A to B to C. Um, but, But the scriptures are challenging us to say, hey, that's what faith is all about. Ultimately, we're living on faith every day anyway. Either faith in ourselves. All right. Um, Belief that if I make this wise decision, if I make this conscious, maybe even calculated decision, um, and sometimes not calculated, depends on how calculating you are. I'm fairly calculating most of the time. There's times that I do just dumb stuff and I'm like, why did I even think that through? Um, But this is a calculate. This is give us the benefit of that. We're, We're calculating people. We make these calculated decisions that I'm going to do a And ultimately, if I'm not following God, I'm placing my faith in myself, saying I've made a good decision right here, right? I made a good decision. This is going to work out the way that I hope that it will, that I know, because I I got this, right? And scriptures are challenging us to go from that faith in ourselves, which will ultimately disappoint, to placing our faith in God, in his way of life. Because he's the only one, the only one that ever walked this earth and went, became obedient to death and conquered it. Because he's the only one who knows the way to life. And see what the scriptures are challenging us to see is that Jesus died for us. Therefore, we must die with Jesus. Not a physical death, not in the sense of we're hanging on the cross, but there are some things in our life, life that we must give up. There are some ways and patterns in our lives that we must change and walk away from. There is a new way of life waiting for us if only we believe in Jesus Christ and walk in this new Life. Listen to Romans chapter 6. I think this uh, scripture kind of most clearly uh, uh, states it for us. In Romans chapter, chap, Romans chapter 6, I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning, right? The, the, the good that we ought to do and we don't do it, right? That's sin. Uh, shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. That's the death that we die, right? We are those who have died to sin. Once we come to belief and faith in Jesus Christ, we have now died to sin. We're no longer, um, we're no longer caught up in that cycle, right? Although the, the cycle, because it becomes, um, let's just talk about that for just a moment. Um, because that cycle becomes almost a habit in our lives, 
because it becomes something that we do. It's just like any other habit, right, uh, that we have um, that is negative or destructive or even habits that are positive, right? They're, they're difficult to break. And so it's become this habit. So we were caught up in this cycle of sin, all human beings. Now in Jesus Christ, we've been freed from that. But often we have two choices, right? We can continue in the cycle because that's what's comfortable for us, because that's what we're used to, right? Trusting in ourselves, making our own decisions. Or we can break free from that cycle, put our hope and faith in God because we've died to sin and we're no longer in that cycle. We're now free to live new lives. Now listen to what it says. It says, by no means we are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized in the Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the father, we too may live a new life. I think I have a little bit more on the slides, I think. Um, For if we had, I could stop right there because that's good. Uh, We have a new life. Uh, For if we have been united with him in a death like this, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that the old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with and that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin, has been set free from sin. So Jesus was born to die and we were born to die as well. We were born to be set free from sin. And the only way this happens is when we put our hope, our trust in Jesus and take that new step in a new way of life. And it's a progressive walk with God. The Bible calls this sanctification. Sanctification is the progressive work of God and humans to make us more free from sin and more like Christ in our actual lives. It's the process, this process with God and man to make us more free from sin and more like Christ in our actual lives. That means once we've come to faith in Jesus Christ and believed in him, we've died with him. And we've said, I'm letting go of old habits, old ambitions, old attitudes, old actions that used to characterize my life, but should characterize them no longer because they hinder me from following in the way of Christ. I'm letting all those things go. I'm making a conscious decision, right? Conscious decision. It doesn't just happen. It's a conscious decision. We have to make that decision daily. I'm dying with Christ to that old way daily. We're making a conscious decision and taking that new step, first step, every single day, every every day of our life. It's like the first step. We're taking that first step with the Lord. And we're asking, what's next? What's the next step? What would God have me to do next? What's the next step for me? I ask you that question. What's the next step for you? Romans 6 says we believe and then we're baptized. Maybe that's your next step that needs to happen. Baptism simply means it's, a, it's, a, um, it's, it's symbolic of our death and burial and resurrection with Christ. We take someone and we uh, pull out the baptistry and we fill it up with water and, and we dunk them underwater that's symbolic of their burial and we raise them up to new life in 
Christ. The Bible says, believe and be baptized. Maybe you believe and have yet to be baptized. That might be a decision you need to make. That is a decision that you do need to make to be baptized. And, and there's no better time than now, right? And so maybe the next step is baptism. Maybe the next step is, is, um, is, is last week I think I said, maybe a next step is sharing in communion. Maybe a next step is letting go of a, a habit that's been with you for too long. It's like, a, it's like an old friend that's begun to stink, right? Just kind of walking with you for too long. And you need to let them go, but you can't quite get rid of them. Maybe it's that habit. Maybe in this new year you need to say, I'm letting that go by the power and grace of God, right? And you're writing that down and you're praying about it every day and every morning you're waking up and you're saying i'm letting that go i'm leaving that in the past right what's your next step you see the scriptures teach us that we all have a decision to make from the beginning of our belief and walk with the lord to the day we die we all have a next step a decision to make and i'm challenging you today to make it and so this morning, there's a number of different ways we, you can go about this, right? There's the cards on your seat. You can write it on the back of a card, and we will get in contact with you, with you, and we can talk to you and pray with you about whatever your next step may be, right? Whether it's believing in Jesus for the very first time or being baptized or walking with him, write it down, put it on a card, and you can put it on these buckets when we share in communion. Or I'll be in the back at the end of the service. Blair, Blair, if you can wave your hand so people can know who Blair is. Blair will be in the back at the end of service. Um, you can, uh, he'll be willing to talk to you and pray with you. Um, Cedric is in the back. Uh, he'll be back there. Cedric, wave your hand. I threw Cedric on the spot. Blair knew about it, but Cedric didn't. Um, but he's still waving his hand and smiling anyway, so I guess I'm okay. You could talk to, to Cedric. Kim will be in the back. You can spend some time talking to her if you want to talk to her. Uh, there's a next step, a decision that you need to make in your life. Hey, uh, contact somebody. Reach out to somebody who, who's already taken that step and believes in Jesus Christ and make that step, right? The, this year is going to be the year, 2015, not 2014. 2015 is going to be the year that we more fully as a church, as a community, as a people believing in God, walk in the new life and the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. Christ, right? It, it, is, it, is, um, it is foolish of us um, to have this freedom and not take it seriously and to be lack, lackadaisical. I think that's the word, lackadaisical about it and just sit on it. It is for freedom, it says in Galatians, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Embrace it. Live in it. Experience the joy of the Lord in it. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks this morning that you give us this opportunity to gather here and to study the scriptures. And God, we are, we are happy. We are excited that you give us this opportunity to say yes to you. And God, as we enter and get close to the end of another year, God, I just pray that we'll be thankful for the lives that we have and for our ability to make it this far, but that we'll take this day as an opportunity to say yes to you. Whatever that yes may be in regards to God, whatever that yes may be in response to God, I pray that today we will say yes to you. Yes to your word. 
yes to your way. Yes to the new life that we can only have in Jesus Christ. Yes to that next step that you are challenging us to take. God, I pray that our answer will be yes. And as we take that next step, God, we'll find that you are faithful, that you are good, and that you do powerful things through it. It's in your son Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.